Hi everyone, this is Inside Dance with Taylor and Alex. Featuring your hosts, Taylor Bradley. And Alex Yankovic. Yeah, every day, we're just out here. We are so excited for our episode number two of oh, this yeah. new this new season. I feel like we're in a new season and it makes me really happy. <laughs> How's it going to you, Brad? Good, good. Yeah, I'm definitely a new season. It's like, I feel like we're on Netflix and this is like season two of the podcast. Like for those of you that are new to the podcast world, which let me remind you, we kind of are too. Um, through our podcasting hosting site, there's like, they give you an option to be like, what season is this? What episode number is this? And for our episode last week, I like took so much pride in being like season number two. Something very exciting, outdoor dining opened back up. Oh, that's right. Last week, so I, find, I finally got to go to a cafe and it was so exciting. So that was honestly a very, you know, great addition to my weekend, which makes me super happy. And also, I just love to get this year moving. Once January, I love January because I feel like it preps me for the rest of the year, but I get a little bit anxious. And once we get into this like February mode, I feel so much better. I feel like life is starting to snowball a little bit quicker and things are being scheduled and that gives me a lot of hope. This week, our community spotlight is going to an organization very close to our special guest's heart and close to ours as well. And that is the Born This Way Foundation. Born This Way Foundation, co-founded and led by Lady Gaga and her mother, Cynthia Germanata, is dedicated to supporting the mental health of young people. Through high-impact programming, youth-led conversations, and strategic partnerships, they aim to make kindness cool and validate the emotions of young people and also eliminate the stigma surrounding mental health. Can I get a retweet for kindness is cool? I love that. Uh, the Born This Way Foundation fosters innovative programming to support healthy conversations about mental wellness and connects youth with resources and services that support their mental health, both on and offline, which is so important. They also encourage and build communities that prioritize mental and emotional wellness. I can't re reiterate enough how important it is to channel kindness. I know it seems like something that's really easy to say, uh, just be nice to others, but it really is important to teach empathy and make that a priority so that people can communicate a little bit better. And I love that they teach these programs where young people are learning early that mental health is just as important as physical health. Totally. One of my favorite quotes that um, a mentor of mine would always say growing up is, isn't it funny that we all get physical checkups, but we don't get mental checkups as kids? And I think yeah, that's what? so important as kids, as adults, um, really, it's, it's vital for all ages. So shout out to this foundation for uplifting that and supporting that idea. But to follow them, uh, you can find them on Instagram at BTW Foundation to stay updated. And you can also visit their website, www.bornthisway.foundation. If you'd like to donate, or if you have a loved one that needs support, this is definitely the place that you'll find the resources you need. Dance competition season is upon us. And it gets me really reflecting on all the memories and years that we spent inside a dark auditorium. <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> For hours. But I'm really curious to see like what the trends are. I'm going to judge uh, three different uh, cities in the upcoming months. So I'm excited to see what's changed. And I know we both choreographed a lot of competition routines and it's totally different than how it was when we were growing up. Totally, like there's the paradigm shift of, you know, it's been what, 10 plus years since we've been out of that circuit um, as dancers, but also like, now more than ever these last two years um, with the pandemic and how that's affected everything. Like it's amazing that we're starting to get some positive movement um, in things coming back and being able to perform again, because it's like just as much of our identity as it is now, I remember in high school, like that was my ritual, right? Was going to the studio and getting that training, focusing my mind and that physical endorphin rush. And so, you know, I know so many studios, shout out to all the studios that um, in Las Vegas that I've worked with. And I know um, all over the country that have made, basically made the best of all these situations. But so now I'm curious, cause I see a lot of these studios that I teach at are going back to conventions and they're going back to competitions. And it makes mm -hmm. me wonder about the protocols. Like, are they gonna be wearing masks on stage? Um, I know, I think you were telling me that they don't do award ceremonies anymore. Um, and yeah, it, it's, I'm, I'm curious just to know how that's all gonna transpire, uh, but so grateful that 
these dancers and these young artists are getting a chance to showcase all of their hard work. Cause I can't even imagine like what the 10 to 15 numbers that you work tirelessly to perfect and clean and you don't even get a chance to perform it. Like have they mentioned anything to you for these competitions that you're going to be judging like about that or touched on it? Not really, just that we'll be spaced out and we'll have masks and which I'm sure the parents and the families will be happy about um, <laughs> the award ceremonies, I think are happening at the end of the three days. And it's all just or announcing just, you know, generally who the winners are rather than going through number 1,500, oh you've got gosh. a high gold. <laughs> so I'm sure like the families are really happy about that. I mean, yeah, it'll be interesting um, to see. I'm really, really excited to, to judge because people use different music. And like, I think you and I have talked about this before. There's just not many jazz, jazz, jazz routines. I feel like a lot of it's contemporary. A lot of it is more in that realm. So I'm excited to see if people have like touched back to that or whatever new music people are using. That was always the best part. Yeah, I'm so interested for to hear what you have to say. We'll have to circle back um, in a few weeks after you've been to a few and talk about it because yeah, I, I love my feel good contemporary. I love my instrumental. I love my weird and my quirky, but I also love my entertainment and I love my flashy costumes. I mean, that's part of the reason that I fell in love with Vegas, right? Is it is that entertainment and it is that ostrich feather, Swarovski rhinestone, which apparently also, did you know that Swarovski is no longer going to make like the rhinestones, like the 30 SS and all that, that we used to put on our costumes, which I'm like, what? These kids already don't get to compete their numbers. Don't take away their rhinestones, but I'm sure they'll That do is insanity. Honestly, I feel like dancers just, studios just use less rhinestones in general. So Swarovski probably just lost that market where all these dance studios just stopped using, using them and they'd go for the more plain bodysuit or yeah, full jumpsuit. So <laughs> I have no, that makes me seriously so sad. Well, and it's funny too, I think dance, like I guess it's it's easy for us to be nostalgic because that's the era that we grew up in. Kind of like you said last week, like you're most attached to the stage that you spent the most time on and really influenced your career, which for us was the jazz large group to She Bangs and Cha Cha Heels in like the lime green, uh, you know, two piece or sparkly fabric. And so <laughs> I'm sad that that's not what it looks like now, but I'm also proud of the dance community and the competition circuit for taking kind of this more um, broadened approach to, I feel like I look at some of these costumes now and it's like straight off the cover of Vogue and it's like the coolest it's like so parachute true. pants and like, yeah, it's, it's been really interesting to watch not only the style of dance change, but the style of costuming change and yeah. um, the style of music changing and it's, it's, I guess it's, it's a beautiful thing as long as you're willing to move with it, right? Um, so true. I always say life moves and you have to move with it. And it's the evolution of it is that's so beautiful. I mean, look at even like the evolution of footwear. Like, do we remember the lyrical sandal or like the padini? Yes. <laughs> I, I love a good gore boot. Don't get me wrong. The foot undie. And now I teach and kids are like, should we get one turner or two? And I'm like, I don't know what that means, but you do whatever you no need idea. to do, Megan. All right. You, you whatever's going to help you get your, your fuetes in sister. Um, and then the tube sock. Oh my gosh. The juicy couture yes. tube sock. Why was yes. that okay? On like polished wood floors in the middle of a yes. hotel ballroom. Kids oh, these days man. just won't understand. But I love a good evolution. I think it's so good. We kind of find ways to make things better and still keep that nostalgia. It's such an amazing balance. I love that so much. I miss those days. I miss them, but I'm glad I'm not in them anymore. 100%. Well, and I always laugh too, because like now, um, you know, we've talked about like the importance of sleep and I know we really want to dive into nutrition um, at some point in a future episode, but um, back in the day where you would do, you'd spend all day dancing in a convention ballroom on cement, doing a million different classes and then go do, you have 20 minutes to run upstairs and shower and then change into all of your competition numbers, uh, that you would do until three in the morning and you'd be like, cool, I finished my trio. I'm going to go have a snow cone and like a hot dog real quick yes! and then go back to it all. And then you'd sleep for 20 minutes and get up and do like auditions in the morning. Like, I mean in a sense, I guess that kind of prepares you for like audition season of the real world of being able to, it's like, Hey kid, you have to have a tough skin and be able to, um, to have that perseverance. Cause that kind of is what it is in the real world. Give or take a snow cone, you know? Were you the only male dancer uh, at your studio? Um, no, there was a handful. I was kind of like in my own, like 
there was like, I think the next boy below me was like seven, six or seven years below. And the next oldest one again was like six or seven years above. So um, I, I definitely had some role models when I was younger. And then also I'm grateful that I had some younger ones that I felt like were looking up to me. So right. it kind of kept me in a good place. But um, yeah, Georgia didn't have too many boys. I mean, nothing compared to like California or Arizona, Utah, you know, all these like major yeah. dance hubs. Um, How many competition dances did you have? Like on average? Uh, full on like 14 every year. And okay. Like, yeah. I think we had like eight to eight to 10 for myself. Yeah. And then I always like, I think I maxed out at like two solos, maybe three one year, but then there's always that person that they're like, I have five solos and yeah. <laughs> And, 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 and really four of that, it's one jazz and then four contemporary solos, but they're under the category of like contemporary, lyrical, open, modern open, jazz, open. <laughs> love open. I'm like, what is that? Yeah. But it, you also be, being a male, you know, you're the strong support for a lot of the female dancers. So you probably had a duet trio where it's two females and a male. 100%. So you had all the extra having to be like the really good male dancer at the studio. It's like, you're really carrying a lot of weight physically. Well, <laughs> no, physically, like, I mean, joking, cause all the girls were so like itty bitty, but it was, I feel that is what contributed in part to my success, or at least what I think. I, I success in, in partnering, or at least my passion for partnering is that I'm grateful my studio, like I had one um, duet partner that, um, I vibed with and you know we would have duets consistently but then if it, like there were other opportunities where they'd be like cool now you're gonna lift up this girl and now you're gonna do this mm -hmm. like lift this girl and so it really and as you know different partners are so different and so I'm so grateful to my studio owners that it wasn't just always the same recipe because um, I see that which I get as a choreographer especially now everybody brings in choreographers to, to set pieces and it's like you had two days and it's like if I'm in that scenario and I want to incorporate partnering whether it's boy, 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 girl, 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 whatever. I'm like, okay, who has partnered before? Cause it is that conversation and that language you have to learn. So right. I, I feel like I understand why it's like, you don't want to take time to reinvent the wheel, but I'm grateful that at that time in my career, we did a lot of our choreography in-house and my teachers made me mix it up, you know? Cause that's the right. real world. I can't tell you how many shows or performances it's been in where we've had different casts or the cast changes nightly or people right. are in different tracks and stuff. And so- um, anyways, I'm getting off on a tangent here, but how was that? I mean, it's a good tangent. <laughs> I feel like you were always like the hot and sassy musical theater girl. Um, <laughs> but like, what was your solo experience? And then what are your thoughts on being a strong soloist and then having to blend into an ensemble? Right. Oh, that's such a good question. Well, I will say I was really bummed out because we never had during my high school years, we didn't have a male dancer at our studio. And that, mm. that was always something I really wanted, but I learned how to partner in the summertime and stuff like that. But being a soloist, I always, I did two solos. I always did a, at the time it was lyrical, called <laughs> lyrical and um, musical theater. And I always did something either from the musical nine or burlesque, <laughs> so or we would go back old school with some Liza Minnelli, which I enjoy so, so much. But I have to say, learning that balance between being a soloist and killing it, and then also blending in as an ensemble member, is your relationship with your, with your other peers and your dancers. We were all such good friends that we kind of just felt this energy where we would be able to match each other. We were so focused on staying together and thought, once you're finding that skill of, you get so good with your peripherals and you just kind of mold together and it just comes from spending a lot of time with each other off and on the dance floor. I feel like we just had such a good uh, telepathy with each other. And so mm -hmm. it was easy to kind of not blend in, but all of you stand out together on the same level. Mm, yeah. And I also will say <laughs> our teacher was so good at choreographing to let everybody have their moment. So important. There was always a everybody had their moment because we were all good at different things i am not i at the time i was not a jumper i could not get my butt off the ground <laughs> first until i went to college and so i would never do that and this girl alexis she could do four illusions in a row and she could nail it each time i would do the leg spins or the turns my friend bryce would have an amazing layout so our teacher would always choreograph in order to make everyone shine and so then it was easy to come back together when we do the uh 
symbiotic choreography. Come on, biology. Let's go with the verbiage. Has anyone ever used that? I don't know. But yeah, I feel like you find the balance. And when you have a good relationship with your friends, you're not like, no, I want to stand out on this drag. You're like, no, we're all going to kill it together because we all want to win. We all have the same goal. It's funny. And and it's funny you say that because I think the best – the best group pieces that I see come from the studios or the casts of dancers that aren't necessarily the best. Like you can have eight dancers and they're all superstar technicians, but yeah, it's, it's, it's that cohesiveness and that bond that I almost feel like, like my studio growing up, I'll be the first to admit, uh, I mean, no shade to my, my dance teachers because they, they tried. They definitely tried bringing in new ballet teachers and uh, really trying to emphasize technique. Um, mm-hmm. But we had really strong choreography. And so mm-hmm. we couldn't do 15 pirouettes like some studios and some kids nowadays can do. So it was, can you find your artistry? And that's one thing my dance teachers were always proud of, as they said, versatility and that you guys were all artists, you know, yeah. artists as soloists and artists as a group. Um, and that I feel like it, it's, it's more easy to blend together as artists than it is competitive, technical. Well, I can do five mm-hmm. pirouettes and she can do four. And the, cause it's, it's not, it's not quality or it is qualitative. It's not quantitative, you know? Um, right. and yeah, I, I, trust me, I love a good clean technician and I love a good clean, you know, ensemble like we're going to talk about the Rockettes here in just a little bit which nothing is more beautiful but what's most impressive is that that sense that chemistry and that community that you feel um and then I get even more excited when then you go and watch the solo competition and you're like whoa you guys are all so unique and you can all bring it back together and bring it home which is amazing right and I think it's just a human emotion no it does not feel good to not be on the same page as the group. That's never a good feeling. And in times where that has happened, you really don't want to be the odd one out. And it's, it's just, I can't really explain it, but in a rehearsal process, like I've said before, everyone has the same goal. It doesn't feel good to either not be stepping up or trying way too hard to stand out. That mm-hmm. it's just as a human that doesn't feel right. So in that way, it feels good to, have everybody rise to the same occasion yeah totally it's it's that coaching that i feel like it it feels better to win with your teammates right i mean anybody can be can win by themselves but it's lonely at the top you know you want to be at the top with your community and with your support group and so and it's an embarrassing it's embarrassing if you're if you're (laughs) standing out in a bad way let's just be real yeah like don't pull attention fun fact my first year dancing we had a competition number two um weekend the jumping music slick djs yeah it was my first hip-hop i I, you know i wore an upside down white visor to the side straight out of like lance bass i think i had bleach tips i i need to find the, the picture but um I thought it would be, I'm also, this is like younger brother syndrome. Like I'm the youngest of three, so I never got enough attention. So if it was like, if I stood out, then I, you know, if I cried, then I would get attention. So (laughs) the first few times we performed it, I'd be like, oops, my visor fell off again. And cause it's like, you want to pull focus. And I laugh at that now because I see my students doing that and I'm like, what are you doing? But then I'm also like, I totally get it. I I was that kid. And then Picture we implement- come on the Instagram. <laughs> and then we and then we implemented the five dollar rule, which is uh, if you had a oh hair tie, nail polish, uh, or or in Taylor's case, if your hat fell off, you had to pay five dollars. So my hat has never fallen off since then, ever in my life. So <laughs> I knew uh, our competition talk would like take us so far down memory lane and on all these tangents, but it goes perfectly with our wonderful, wonderful guests that we have for you guys. So we're excited for you guys to listen. It's yeah. gonna be great. Stay tuned. Today, we are welcoming such a wonderful guest and one of our very dear friends. He studied at the University of Arizona, performed with Odyssey Dance Theater, Steve Wynn's Showstoppers, Jubilee, Radio City Christmas Spectacular, and has performed in Sam Smith's and Demi Lovato's music video, I'm Ready. That is just to name a few things. It truly barely <laughs> barely scratches the surface, but he is one of the hardest workers I've ever met, and I'm so, so thankful for our friendship. So everyone, let's welcome Sean Viator to our podcast. 
Hi, Sean. How's it going? Hi. Hi, guys. Um, first of all, thank you for having me on. I'm truly honored to be here and to share this time with you. Um, given the current state of affairs in the world, I am actually doing pretty good, you know. Um, just been dancing a lot, whether it's in my living room or outside or renting studio space. Um, that I think this time has made me more appreciative than ever and truly reminded me that I am a dancer because it's, it's, it's who I am. It's good for my soul. And I think as crazy as that sounds, it took this time for me to come back to that, that it's not just my job and I don't just do it to pay my rent, but it truly at the end of the day, it's like who I identify as. Mm-hmm. Oh my gosh. That, yeah. That's such a, such a big truth. And I feel like you're so good about taking class. And I feel like that is what re-inspires me all the time. Like whenever you let me know, like, hey, this class is happening today and I take it, I feel so much better after, even if I'm taking it just in my room, I'm like, oh my God, I freaking love this so much. Like it feels good to train it and revisit it every day. And I agree. I think we're all that same way where that's how we identify ourselves. So we've made it work during this time. Totally. And actually to circle back to the point that you said about dancing wherever you can. Um, for those of you that don't know Sean, you need to go follow him on Instagram right now because he is the king of recreating every iconic dance sequence from every music <laughs> video, stage, anything on his Instagram. Like didn't the Rockettes repost you because you had like such a flawless reconstruction of one of their numbers? Yeah. Um, the Rockettes reposted me. Actually, Janet Jackson reposted me on her story. Um, I learned... <laughs> Her, her music video, If, which is like choreographed by the iconic Tina Landon. Um, and it just like, I literally got so bored that I was just like, you know, let me think of all this choreography, whether it's the Rockettes, Ariana Grande, Janet Jackson, Lady Gaga. And like, it's, it's not only like fun for me because obviously like I wasn't on any of those jobs and some of them were before our time that we were professionals, but it's like, why not? Like I would literally just be sitting on my couch anyway. And it's fun to learn because you're literally learning it off a YouTube video. So it's kind of a fun challenge of like learning all the details. And then like for me, I'm like, all right, I'm in this 14,000 seat arena performing for an audience. Like I was just like, at that point, we were so deep into quarantine that I was like, this is what I need to do <laughs> to get through and to inspire myself to like, totally. you know, I think you just get to a point where you're like, am I ever going to dance on stage ever again? And so for me, that was just like a way for me to make it work. <laughs> it truly brings so much joy to everybody who follows you and everybody who sees it and then follows you afterwards. Like it makes my day. I get seriously so happy. You've also recreated some Rosary Dance Team uh, turn sequences, which is not easy to do. <laughs> Everyone on the team is very appreciative of it. You're just... Like oh bring God. a smile to everyone's face. It makes me the smile. rosary so iconic. That truly was like at the beginning of quarantine when I was like, oh, maybe I should start working on my turns again. Like <laughs> maybe maybe this is a good lesson because I tried to jump right into those turn sequences and they were way harder than I thought they would be. <laughs> That's amazing. Well, if you can for us, um, just to let our listeners get to know you, give us a little description of how your training was uh, growing up and where you're from and how that all blossomed and how you've kind of turned into the amazing dancer that you are today. Um, so I am from Baton Rouge, Louisiana. Um, I went to a studio called DeFrance's Academy of Dance. I actually started competing my second year of dance, which is kind of, I, I literally auditioned to compete my first year of dance when I had been probably dancing for like three months. And my mom like tried to tell me no. And of course, knowing who I am, I didn't take that for an answer. And she was like, you're not going to literally know anything they teach. You've been dancing for three months. So it's safe to say I've had a very competitive spirit since I started dancing. <laughs> um, but growing up, I just like, it was one of those things where I started at the age of nine, but for years I had been begging my parents to put me into dance. And they were just like, you don't really like, you don't, you don't mean that you just watch your sister do it. And you think that's what you want to do. And it finally got to the point where I was like, listen, you're putting me in dance. Um, and my dad literally went up to my dance teacher and was like, you know, we don't think he's really serious about this. Can we just like pay by the week? Cause we don't <laughs> think he's going to last through the year. Like my dad literally said that and 30 day free like, trial 
literally. And now he's like, I don't think I could have been more wrong. Um, so yeah, I just started competing and like, it just weirdly took over my life. Like I just loved competition. I loved like the, the putting in the work and then seeing the results. Um, when I was in high school, I got to work with Debbie Allen for two years. She, um, as a part of the arts program in the state, she came and set two of her original productions, Brothers of the Night and then Dreams, which um, if either of you know Danny Tidwell, um, I got to do his part in Dreams. Um, I was an astronaut and I got to wear a harness and fly. And like at that age, just getting to work with Debbie Allen was, I mean, she was incredible and really scary. And that was like my first kind of taste of the professional world in high school of like you coming to rehearsal, being on it, like she, I just remember she, like she would put you in something and then she would audition us and like cut us even if we were already assigned it. And so that was my true first taste of like, okay, this is what it feels like to be a professional dancer. Um, and so I just mainly grew up competing, you know, Baton Rouge is the capital of the state, but I feel like it's not a huge dance capital, you know, like California where you're from, Yonk is so competitive. Um, but when I would go to conventions in other cities or we'd go to nationals, like that gave me an insight of like, okay, there's other dancers that are better than me. There are studios that are better than us. Like, and again, me being competitive, that really inspired me to get better. Also YouTube was big at the time. I used to watch all the California studios and I would literally learn their dances from competition from YouTube and then do them in my living room. Like I honestly would credit that as to like 50% of me improving is that I would just literally do that. And then I would just try and master them. Like I was crazy, but I really think that's like how I, I just kind of like taught myself as well, you know, besides my amazing teachers on my studio. So what you're saying is this learning from YouTube trend started way before quarantine. <laughs> <laughs> It did. It did. It, it really was a nostalgic process for me because it brought me back to high school. Like as soon as I got home from dance or when I got from home from school, like that's what I did. What's so interesting too is I think back in the day when YouTube first came out, I didn't know it was going to pick up and be, you know, this monetized platform for people to, in my mind, YouTube was the place where people were uploading their competition videos. That was all YouTube was for me. Or I could watch Moulin Rouge, the movie, in parts. But I couldn't buy it and we didn't own it. So I was like, oh, I can just watch the movie in parts on YouTube. But I feel like it was exclusively for dancers. At the time, it, that's how I all watched all of showbiz competitions and watched your studio and everything was through YouTube, which is amazing. Truly. And like, I remember Hall of Fame never came to Louisiana, which I was always upset about. But like, I, I felt like you felt like a big deal when your video made it onto YouTube, like your solo or, or whatever, you know, uh, but it was just a source of inspiration. Like, I remember I always told my mom I wanted to move to California when I was younger because the dance studios were so good out there. And she was like, you're crazy. But it was it was inspiration for me because I would watch so many people to the fact that when I met them in person, I'd be like, you are this person, you go to this dance studio, you did this solo, you did this small group, and they would probably think I'm crazy. But like, that's just how I studied. No, that's so true. And I know we spoke about that with uh, Clarice earlier in one of our episodes about like, we all remember the West Coast School of the Arts videos from Showstoppers with that announcer that I love him. I wish I knew who, who, uh, what his name is. It's oh, me, I know who you're talking still, about. Though. He still works for them. I'm from sure. West Coast School of the Arts. Like I want him to like <laughs> announce my wedding and, and my funeral Coast for that record. Mesa. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, and then yeah, the Hall of Fame videos and then yeah, and then YouTube came around and I think yeah, we, we've discussed this and I, and I know we all are on the same page about how it's such a double-edged sword of it is a sense of inspiration, but it's also can for younger generations seem like a shortcut and you bypass so many of the um, principles of dance and training. And I mean, all those things I know that we learned at U of A and um, so many uh, teachers and choreographers I talk to now, it's like, what's the biggest advice that you can give to your studio? And it's to listen to your teachers, right? And don't just think that you can build your career based off YouTube or TikTok, you know? Absolutely. Um, yeah, social media and everything, it's, it's amazing because you have 
these kids seeing this and then they're like, it's maybe moves or choreography that they never would have known or tr like tried. And so they're like, let me try this. And so I think it, it elevates the pace at which they learn like certain tricks or moves or style or whatever, which is really great, but there's no substitute for hard work at the end of the day. And I think that's what a lot of kids don't understand these days is like because of social media, maybe they're even their attention span is just shorter. And it's like, you can't fake, hard work when you're on a job when you're in a class when you're at an audition like there's no substitute for hard work and there's no way you can teach somebody to work hard like you just you can't you have to just put the time and the effort in and so what I notice is is like in the younger generation today there's the the part that understand the hard work and they're putting it in and then there's just the ones that are like I really like to dance but I just like I don't know and so I'm like, well, if you're already not like 120% in it now, like you're never going to become a professional because then you have all these other variables added into the mix and that just makes it even harder. So like I loved when we, you know, had YouTube and stuff for our inspiration, but then we still went to class. We still worked really, really hard to get where we were. And then we finally felt those few seconds of like reward where we're like okay like the hard work's finally paying off you know but at the end of the day as someone who has felt the rewards of really hard work like there's just it there's no substitute like it's like what there's that 10,000 hour rule that if you're whatever you want to be good at you have to put at least 10,000 hours in to even be considered like great at it or something um and I just I'm such a big person into hard work. I think it, it transcends just whatever you're working in. I think it can be related to other areas of life. And so I will forever, ever be a fan of somebody who works hard, no matter their talent level, right? Because somebody can be less talented, but if they work hard, I want them in the room next to me. So like, I always try to find those people and stick with them, regardless of their skill level, because that's, that's the energy I vibe off of. Not somebody who's maybe just naturally really good, but doesn't put in that effort. That's just not how I was raised. And it's never been something that I've, you know, have vibed with. You know, younger kids are learning this stuff through the internet and TikTok, and it does elevate their level of picking up choreography and in that way. But I always find these discussions with others and my thought process always comes back to the balance of everything. It's good to have your toes in social media. It's good to be aware of the trends that are going on at the same time that won't bring you everything when you do book a job and the director or the choreographer is really, really tough and no, no BS. Will you have the thick skin to be able to handle when they're, when they just are telling you you need to be cleaner or they're telling you your finger or your hand needs to be in a certain place and you can't get upset and they're just telling you because the product needs to be perfect. So you have to find that balance of like, yes, this is amazing. And I struggle with it. I struggle with watching things online and thinking, why am I not doing that? Like, that would be so easy for me. I could just do that. And I'm like, wait, but that's not me. I enjoy having the technical aspect, but I don't want to exclude those people from having fun and learning because dance is is for everybody. But yeah, you're so right about the hard work and all of that. And I also, we all come from backgrounds where discipline is everything. I'm, things are different now. I think we're in a softer time and that's fine. And we can find other ways to have discipline. But I remember just getting the remote controls thrown at me uh, <laughs> I'm back in the dance studio. And like, yeah. I learned. <laughs> dance team competition, I'll forever be thankful for because it's like, if your arm, if your foot, if your focus was in the wrong direction, like start over, you got to do it again. But that's things I've been able to take from middle school, high school, all the, all the way through my professional career. And when somebody gives me the compliment of like, oh my gosh, you're so clean like I attribute that to competition. I attribute that to dance team. Like I will forever be thankful because no matter what style I know I can go and be clean and, uh, you know, give the choreographer what they want. And like, I think with social media too, just to touch on this real quick, like with kids who maybe have a larger following, they're so used to praise. They're so used to everyone being like, yes, 
fierce work. So then it's like when you get in a setting where you have somebody who's not, you know, giving you all these compliments and they're like, oh, you know, here's a correction. Like maybe they mentally don't even know how to process that or they take it personally thinking like, oh, this person doesn't like me because they gave me a correction. Whereas in reality, if I'm a teacher and I give you a correction, that means that I like you. I want to spend my time giving you a correction because guess what? I watched you, you know? Totally. Yeah. And there's so many, I mean, like we could talk about this for hours because I know we're all so passionate on the same wavelength about this. Um, but so let's talk about that training um, and where it took you. Um, obviously we all had a great time at U of A and worked with some amazing people there. Um, but beyond that, Sean, you went on to dance with Odyssey Dance Theater in Utah. Um, we all met up in beautiful Las Vegas. Um, you were in Jubilee, the iconic show at Bally's. Um, we shared the stage at Steve Wynn Showstoppers. Um, and then beyond that, you performed at Tuacon in a handful of shows which led you up to dancing in New York uh, in the Christmas Spectacular featuring the Radio City Rockettes. Like, so amazing. And that's a lot to jam into, not a lot of time. So can you just kind of like briefly discuss maybe some like highlights, some big takeaways from that, maybe some funny, embarrassing stories you may have? Of course. So getting into it, um, I ended up at Odyssey first. I think because... Uh, going from the amazing training at U of A where it's very much ran like a company. Um, I think I kind of like thought I wanted to start out in a dance company. So Odyssey was amazing because at the time I was like one of the youngest company members. There were a lot of veterans um, and it was truly a versatile company, which I loved because, you know, coming from my studio background into U of A, we all always were stressed the importance of versatility. So like we got to do hip hop, ballroom, ballet, like I was doing partnering with girls on point, we did contemporary, we did a Mia Michaels piece. Um, so I loved that aspect very much. We also got to tour in Europe. Um, after our season was finished, I actually moved to Vegas, because um, I had auditioned for Cirque during college and, you know, had been considered for a few of their shows. So I was like, oh, you know, for the summer, instead of doing something else, why don't I move to Las Vegas and just like check out the scene, you know? So I moved there. I ended up booking Jubilee at Bally's, which, um, was, I booked that like, I think a month before I was supposed to go back and do my second season with Odyssey. Um, Jubilee was an amazing introduction into Las Vegas just because it was that iconic old showgirl. We were wearing Bob Mackie, Pete Manaphee, Al Swarovski. Like, I don't think I'll ever touch costumes like that again ever in my career. Um, 10 shows a week. It was like, it was like being shot out of a cannon into the, the show world, you know, which was amazing. Um, and I think it was just really fun. I met, I was so young, but I met I was meeting so many people and just, you know, really like it was, you know, a bigger dance scene and it was just all really more exciting. Um, and I love my time with Jubilee. We closed the show at the beginning of 2016 after it ran for 34 years. Um, it, it really introduced me into the whole what it means to be in a show and how you you keep something fresh you know, every show, even though you're doing it 10 times a week for ever and ever and what seems like eternity. Um, so after that closed, I actually went to Tuacon, um, which is in Southern Utah. They have a six month season where you do three shows. So we did um, Peter Pan, uh, that Patty Colombo, legendary Broadway choreographer, she choreographed that. Uh, we did Tarzan and then we did Hunchback of Notre Dame, which actually I was a swing for. So that was my first time ever swinging, which was a very crazy experience. And I was like covering people that had lines because um, it was a very um, less dance heavy, but more singing, acting kind of show, which was this was my first musical theater experience. So I was like, you know, half the more than half the cast was from New York. And I just remember walking in my first music music rehearsal and I was like, Oh, what am I doing? You know, so I was like, you know what, just be a sponge, whatever you see people doing, do it like just don't be afraid to ask for help. Like, okay, there's all these harmonies in this song. Okay, like, uh, you know, so that it was a huge learning experience for me. Also, the theaters outside, you're in the middle of summer. We were doing tech rehearsals in the 120 degree heat on a black rubber stage. People were passing out like it was very exhausting, but I would never trade my time there for anything because I learned so much. And that was kind of like, would I be interested in Broadway? Would I, would, is that something I want to do? Um, and that was really like my first hands look into what that could be like. 
Uh, from there, I actually left Tuacon early to go do Showstoppers, which was, for me, a dream show that I had wanted to be a part of. I mean, obviously, we know Marguerite Derricks is iconic. Um, and I had auditioned for the show many times. And I think, like I said, my competitive personality, I was like, I will be in the show and I'm going to kick the door down every audition and be there and show up and show them that I want to be in the show. So finally, um, it happened. And that I think that was a big moment in my career where I had to really work hard to get something. And finally, you felt that payoff, you know, like, it almost was better because I like had been working so hard towards it. And then finally, it happened. And I was just like, ah, like, finally, I'm here. Um, and then after that, I had the ultimatum of auditioning for the Radio City Christmas show in 2017. And if I booked that, I was going to move to New York full time or try LA, which really, really scared me. Um, so I ended up auditioning for the Christmas show. I sadly did not book it, even though I made it to the end. So I was like, well, I guess it's LA, um, which I never, never thought I would live there. I just didn't think it was the kind of dancer I was. I really like short-sighted myself. But um, I just decided, you know what, it scares me, the idea of moving there. So I'm just going to do it. And now I'm like, it has been the best decision of my life. I don't, I just like, it's, it really was the universe looking out for me. Um, and now, you know, I've also, I ended up auditioning again in 2019 for Radio City. I called my mom and said, you know, I think I'm going to audition one last time. And if I don't get it this time. It's not meant for me, but I'm just going to try it. And so here I am now getting to live in amazing LA, but I also got to do Radio City. So yeah, that's kind of a little walkthrough. You got truly the best of both worlds. And I just also want to say, because we've talked about this, uh, Taylor and I have talked about this before, but you are the perfect example of a dancer, an artist slash performer, everything who always is moving forward and how it's really important to not wait around for the perfect dream job. You can't wait around. You can't just only audition for that and then be chilling at home. Like you always have to be moving forward, always be looking for the next opportunity, even if it's not the first one, because then you experience it when you do book it. And then it ends up being an amazing experience. You're like, oh my gosh, I would not be the same without having this experience. So you are the perfect example of that, of always, you know, striving towards a certain goal, but picking up other things along the way without drowning which is amazing i've said it before i'll say it again the joe lantieri mycda convention speech like i want it <laughs> framed in my house sean that's where we met actually like dancing in conventions and again it's i i i think back to those days and yeah that competitive spirit but also like that eagerness and that hunger of uh like alex said it was always even like preceding your professional career, it was always what's next? How can I move forward? And how can I better myself? And I think, yeah, it's, it's crazy to think that you once thought LA would be so terrifying because I look at you now and like, you're so inspirational to, I know both Alex and I like, not only like you're teaching there, like we haven't even gotten into the, your, you know, professional teaching career, which includes being on faculty at AMDA teaching at like every studio in the city. And like, I look at all of your like social media posts and I'm like, you are always on it and like have on brand photos and you're always like killing it. So, um, yeah, sorry. That's just my fangirl moment for you of just saying like, it, it's, it's, it's crazy to, to look at your journey, but it's also so inspiring to so many others. Thank you. That is seriously, that means a lot coming from both of you. Um, I think as dancers, we always get caught up in that dream job aspect where we're focusing on like the end all be all that we're afraid to take other things. Like you maybe think your path is straight and then life will throw you like to the right or the left, you know, and sometimes to you that feels like um, a failure or whatever. But I think all these side experiences that I've, um, encountered that lead me to the end destination they contribute to you getting to that final destination whether you even realize it or not like there's value in every experience whether it's the path you wanted to take or not but i think everything has value and it should be more about the journey which makes it in more enjoyable when you finally do get to that destination i want to know a little bit about how your experience was 
living in New York for those four months. I think it was four months and the rehearsal process. But I also just want to say before you share with us, you're the perfect person to book that job because I think most people appreciate what the ensemble does and what the Rockettes do, but you especially really appreciate the cleanliness. And it's pretty insane when I got to see you perform. The Rockettes are on another level. Like it had been a couple of years since I had seen them and you know, everybody looks up to them, you know, they're so famous and they're so well known and you watch the show and you're like, oh my gosh, <laughs> I am shook. So tell us a little bit about the Radio City experience living in New York and then having the luxury to go back to the West Coast. Um, yeah, I remember the first day because I had never seen the show when I booked it. So the first, like towards the end of the rehearsal process, the first time we ran the show top to bottom, with the Rockettes, um, you know, the sleigh ride is the first number where they're in the reindeer outfits. And I just remember it was like the first two eight counts of the opening number. And I just started bawling, crying in the corner because I had never seen the Rockettes dance live before. And it was just so magical. And I just like remember being in the corner and I was like, pull it together, pull it together, pull it together. Like it was just, it's so magical. And I think, you know, people go and see the show and it's clean and it's what they expect, but I don't know if people really realize the hard work that people put into it. Um, but in terms of what the job was like living in New York, rehearsals were really stressful, especially if it's your first year doing the show. Um, just walk to a situation where a lot of people know the show. You know, little things change from year to year, but um, they just expect a lot of you because everyone's in such a high caliber, you know. Um, so you just have to go, like, expecting to work hard. It's going to be a challenge because, you know, there's all these colored lines on the floor and then there's all these numbers on the floor. And it's like not only, especially if you're new, are you learning the choreography? You're expected to know the details, but then they're like giving you numbers. They're giving you lines um, to look for for your formations. And so it's it's definitely the hardest mentally I've ever like the hardest mental job I've ever done because you're just constantly thinking you're constantly working. Um, it's it's a lot of material and then you have people next to you that know the show and so they're still working really hard but they're like a little more they approach it with a little more like ease <laughs> and you're over here like struggling and then you like hit them because you're not on your right number and you're like I'm so embarrassed so, like it was a very humbling experience because as somebody who's been in multiple shows before I was like I was stressed um but at the end of the day like it it expected a lot of me and I was like, can I deliver, you know, I'm coming into this being like, you know, I've done this and this and this, like, can I really live up to who I think I am? Can I really, you know, be here and give it my all? And I remember like there were nights where I would call my mom, like almost crying. Cause I'm like, we did this in rehearsal today and I just didn't do it as well as I wanted. Like I was stressed, but when we got to that stage, it was a full 180. And I was like, this is everything. This feels so satisfying to know we've put in all this hard work and like everyone truly is a family there just because you're doing 16 shows a week like you're all there for the purpose of spreading joy and putting this amazing product on stage and you bond through the struggle of how hard the show actually is physically and mentally and just trying to like you know put the best thing out there that you can but it's worth it when you're in the audience and you see all those you know people s smiling and just it really is so magical Absolutely. Sean, okay, so here's my question for you. Um, as somebody that was, you know, we've talked about your drive, your passion, um, and your success. Um, talking back to 18-year-old competition, teen, senior, Mr. Title, everywhere, outstanding dancer, stop the clock, break the floor, kickball change, all the things. Transitioning into an audition room as a professional dancer, what's the number one most important tip that you can give or that you would give yourself at that age? Um, to perform, 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 and to be yourself. You'll never book the job trying to be somebody else or trying to give the people behind the table what you think they want to see. Um, so I think for me, I was such a perfectionist and I still am. It's something I fight every day because I, you know, care about the details, I care about the steps, but at the end of the day, performance is what is, I think, most important, honestly, because 
people in the audience don't know how complicated the steps are, but they relate to the performance aspect. You know, that's what makes them leave feeling good, you know, happy, sad, whatever the, the thing behind the show is. And so I think performance, that's something, unfortunately, I've sometimes had to learn the hard way, you know, when it gets down to between me and one other person, um, you know, and maybe they perform just a little bit more than I did. Um, so that's been something I've been trying to focus on, you know, because when I was growing up, it was all about training, all about technique, all about how many turns I could do. And now it's, for me, it's, it's way more about the performance and the joy and dancing. And then that just elevates your steps even more. I'm taking that. I'm stealing that. It's hard to perform sometimes. Sometimes uh, at auditions, I love to audition, but sometimes we all get in our heads and we start comparing ourselves and that limits us to really reaching our full potential. And it is also hard to be yourself because you come showing up to the audition dressed what makes you look your best. And then you have to add that other extra level of when you're performing the choreography or whatever of still being me. So saying, doing exactly what the choreographer has told you to do, keeping it clean, but also adding you in there. And all it, all you need is practice. And I feel like now I'm home, I've just been practicing that on like self tapes. I'll be like, okay, I'm practicing. Am I making eye contact with the camera? All that stuff. It's yeah. so ironic. And it's such a juxtaposition of, like you said, Sean, we train our entire lives to be technically perfect. And then we get to an age where it's like, stop caring. You like, you care too much. Like, or like you were saying, Alex, like be yourself, but be in the ensemble, but like do it exactly how I want you to, but like make it your own. And you're like, what? <laughs> so yeah. Don't you love our industry? <laughs> I think it's going to be a constant, at least for me, a constant battle. Like, I don't think I'm ever going to perfect it, but I just think if I keep that in the front of my mind and I know that that's always something I'm working towards, then it'll, it'll get better. Totally. Well, Sean, thank you so much for your time tonight. And seriously, you have so much wisdom and I'm just so grateful that um, we could have you on this show. And I know our listeners are going to absolutely love everything that you've said, but if they want to keep up with you um, or follow you on social media, what's the best way to do that? Um, so I am on Instagram and YouTube. I think both are just my first and last name. Sean Viator, S-E-A-N-V-I-A-T-O-R. And Sean is also teaching some other online classes. So make sure you follow him so you stay up to date on those because you should definitely take them because they are seriously amazing. But Sean, you are just one of the sweetest, most genuine people. So not only are you such a hard worker, you also cheer other dancers on. And that's something I think we all need to be better at. You're always, always encouraging other dancers to be their best self and that's the most amazing part about you oh, thank you yeah. totally well thank you again so much sean um we appreciate you and stay well until hopefully we can all be um living our celine dion lyrical drag dreams all together in room one day soon i can't wait for that day thank you guys so much for having me i appreciate it